Hi, I'm Dominic Insinius, leader of The Heart. I want to welcome you to The Heart Podcast. Thank you for letting us be a small part in your journey of faith. I hope this message today encourages you and strengthens you. Big things can happen when we expect God to move, so I pray today that God would speak to you through this message. We are in a series called Spiritual Detox, and what we've done over the past few weeks is dig into some ideas that are very challenging. And we started off the year because we really feel like this year is going to be a spiritual year for us. We really want to dig into the parts of us that are spiritual because here at the heart we like to talk about, I love talking about mental health, so that will find its way all the time. I feel like mental health affects every part of us, and we're going to dig into some really cool verses of the Bible in the next series, uh, a little bit of fruit of the Spirit, so that'll be fun. But in this particular series, what we've done is discuss some ideas that are maybe toxic spiritual ideas that we have, things that we have grown up being taught to believe. One of the first messages we started off with was, uh, is you don't need a guru. You don't need someone like me or you don't need me telling you what to think or what you should do or what you should say. We don't need a guru for us to grow spiritually. In fact, when we have a guru, it can stunt our spiritual growth. In the next couple of weeks, we, we talked about you know, trying to get it right all the time and constantly missing that mark or, or just maybe trying to be comfortable with getting it wrong. Sometimes a toxic idea we have is it, we, we, we can't get things wrong or God, won't be mad at, or, or God will be mad at us, right? Or we have to get it right so we can get to heaven. We have to get it right so we're right with God. And some of these ideas are dangerous, and so we've been bringing some of these ideas up to challenge us. And today, we have our favorite guest speaker here, uh, Crystal Stotzenberger. She's going to share a message with you, so let's give it up for Crystal. Thanks, guys. That was kind. When I forget this message, you can just come back up and save me, so we'll be, we'll be even. Hey! Um, it is so amazing to see you. This is by far my favorite crowd because you're a bunch of smilers, and I can already tell, um, so that makes me feel calm, and I'm excited about it. So this idea of detox, I want to tell you why um, it scares me. I've done two detox in my life, and the reason the idea of a spiritual detox or whatever kind of detox personally scares me is because there has to be an awareness of why you need the detox, right? There has to be this awareness, and following that, we have to make choices to step into action if we want to detox. So that's what this whole series has been about, looking at our lives, looking at our faith journey, looking at our relationships, and thinking through what is it that we need to release so that more space can be created for relationships, for Jesus, for our faith to grow. And as Dom mentioned, we've looked at a couple of different things. Today, I want to look at the concept and idea of indifference or apathy. Now, indifference is a lack of interest, concern, or sympathy, and apathy is um, indifference. It's lacking empathy. But there are a lot of different contributing factors that can lead us there, and the one I want to talk about today is excessive self-sufficiency. I practiced that for you guys. So before we dig into the message, will you pray with me? Father, creator, healer, God, the one whose hands are never tied, the one who's never tired, 
the one who stands beside us and is exactly what we need. Lord, I pray that in the next 20 minutes, you would find the dark spaces of our heart, the spaces that we've hid away. God, I pray that your presence would be undeniable, that it would be powerful, steady, peaceful, and calming. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So when I was 18 years old, I made a decision to go into the military. And from the time that I made that decision to the time that I ended up getting out, and still today, I often have people ask me, why did you decide to go in the military? And my response is typically something like this. Well, I was in high school during 9-11, and I decided then and there that I wanted to be a part of something bigger. I wanted to be included in something that had a mission and a purpose. And all of that is very true. But while I was thinking about this message, while I was reflecting on that, that question a little bit more deeply, I discovered it actually came long before that. And I'm going to show a slide on the screen. Don't Google it. But I want to see how many of you remember what this is. Anybody know what that is? Anyone under 25 know what that symbol is? Yes, X-Men. All right, so um, you guys, I was obsessed with X-Men when I was little. Kendra's going to put up the next slide. Um, this symbol was over every notebook, every planner. I used to draw it on my hand. Like, I'm talking obsessed. And I'm not talking X-Men 2000s. I'm talking 92 to 97, the best X-Men in all the land. I could tell you the whole story about each one of these, but my absolute favorite was Storm. And I'll tell you why. Storm was an orphan, and she was a mutant, so she's half human, and she has all of these powers, and she was one of the most prominent characters in X-Men. She could control the weather. She had an ability to control energy. Um, she also had to suppress her emotions so that she would not violently create an atmosphere that's going to be a whole other message. We'll talk about that. I think that's where my lack of vulnerability comes, Storm. So um, that is that thought of wanting to just, like, fight injustice and have, like, this mission. I promise you that was the leading factor that sent me into the military. This is not even relevant to the message, but I had to tell you. I had to get it off my chest. I had to tell somebody because I was thinking about it so hard, and I was like, oh, I got to tell him. Um, so you can, you can drop that slide, Kendra. But what I really want to share with you all is in 2009, that was my first deployment to Iraq. And I actually volunteered for that deployment. I had all these brothers and sisters that had gone over and deployed, and I wanted to do my part. I wanted to be a part of that, and I wanted to experience it. And for the most part, when I got back, when people would ask me how the deployment was, and still to this day, I will tell you that it was good. I learned a lot of lessons. I saw a lot of things that were challenging. But for the most part, I loved being deployed. In fact, when I was there, when I was getting ready to leave, I asked to extend my deployment, and they would not let me because my unit had such low staffing, I had to get back. But during that deployment, there were also some really, really challenging things that I saw. And for the longest, I would push those things down because of multiple reasons. The first one being 
I was scared to trust anyone with my story. You see, in the military, you don't talk about emotions often, as you can imagine. There's a mission to complete. You have to keep moving. I was also afraid that if I shared what I was thinking and what I was going through, that I would be separated from the military. And so I would just push those feelings down. And I can remember there was this point years after, years after I got out of the military, that I started to notice an emptiness inside. I can remember closing my eyes after this time of pushing everything away. And it was like I could feel the echoes inside. I felt nothing. I felt absolutely nothing. And that was when I realized what indifference and apathy was. I couldn't even tell you how I was feeling. I just didn't feel anything. And that went away, and then there were seasons where it would come back, and I would get really passionate and courageous and curious and invested in something until I wasn't, and it would come back again. All along, never telling anyone how I felt, just knowing I could handle it myself just like I had always done. There is this quote by Eli Vessel. My friend told me that in German the W's are silent and they're V's. And it says this, The opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. The opposite of art is not ugliness, it's indifference. The opposite of faith is not heresy. It's indifference. And the opposite of life is not death. It's indifference. He was a Holocaust survivor, uh, author, a professor. He wrote over 30 books. A lot of people call him the survivor's survivor. And every time I read that quote and I think through that feeling of indifference or apathy, it reminds me of what I experienced. And it wasn't the, the anger or the frustration or the crying or the passion that was off for me. It was this habit of self-sufficiency that was leading me to a space of nothingness. And I wrote this down for you. The danger of indifference is disconnection. Disconnection with ourselves, our relationships, our community, and your story may not look like mine. It likely doesn't look like mine. But I wonder if there has ever been a time in your life, and maybe you've described it like this. Have you ever felt numb? Have you ever talked about feeling empty or isolated, dry, emotionally exhausted, like a drift, like nothing mattered? Has there been a time in your life when you have felt that way. Oftentimes when we are feeling that way, the symptoms and what you may see manifested in reality is like a lack of energy to do anything. You lose interest in the things that you were interested in before, don't care about your own problems. And whenever you look at apathy or indifference, we can sometimes feel like that is depression and, and sometimes they do correlate and sometimes they don't. Sometimes it's waves that people go through and that's what it will look like. And everyone loses interest in things at some time, right? But when it's consistent and sustained and long, that's when it becomes a problem. 
that's when we have to really evaluate why we're feeling the way that we're feeling. There's a a term called compassion fatigue, and it's basically a, a term that is used for people that have professions where truly their job is they are pouring out empathy. It's typically um, you might hear a, a nurse or a pastor, maybe um, a lawyer, these people who are they're constantly listening to people. Maybe they're absorbing a lot of trauma, and then they came to come to this point where they can't f- extend any type of apathy. It's when you're pouring out so much of yourself that you have nothing left. And I have talked to people that have experienced that um, and know that it's something very real that can happen in our lives, but there are many other um, professions or or times that can lead to that. I wrote this down to you if you're taking notes. Indifference is not about your life. Indifference about your life eliminates the possibility of making a difference in your life. When I was trying to think through this message and think through why I saw a need for myself to detox from excessive self-sufficiency, I was thinking, you know, there are people that, that find themselves land in this place for a many different reasons. It could be overwhelm. It could be stress. It could be depression or grief. It could be when we're avoiding our emotions. And as Dom said, we advocate mental health here at the heart. We believe that that is a needed profession and that it is a safe space to go into. But what I want to talk to you about today is Jesus. I want to talk to you about this space that can't be filled any other way. I want to talk to you about how we can take that need for self-sufficiency and replace it with a father who will hold you up when you need it, who will remind you of what you're capable of, that you're enough. And the story that I want to walk you all through in just a moment, the author is a man named John. He wrote Revelation, and it's the last book in the Bible. If Genesis was the beginning, Revelation wraps it all up. And um, if I'm being honest, this was like the book of the Bible um, that I would just avoid all the time because it's kind of weird to me. Anybody else? Don't leave me hanging. Come on. Okay. Yeah, I was like, um, you know, there's all kinds of crazy things that are talked about in there. But the more that I started to look at the context and dig into this particular book, it is a book about an, an encounter with Christ an encounter with the Christ who had already won. It's full of imagery and dynamics and um, drama, and it's actually very entertaining. But what you'll see is that in this book, John writes, inspired by God, he writes letters to seven churches. And the letters are for very different reasons to the churches. And the city that I want to talk to you about um, today in just a moment is um, the church Laodicea. So that's what we're going to look at. And I want to look at how their self-sufficiency led them to a space of indifference. But first, I want to share this with you. The awareness of where you are and where you want to go is the first step towards growth. It's the very first step. Acknowledging where you are in this moment and the identity of where you want to go is the first step. It's the hardest step, if you ask me. 
the hardest step in a spiritual detox, a detox in general, any type of change or shift that we have in our life, it's the most difficult. But I encourage you through the past messages, through this message today, that you would explore that space for yourself, explore that awareness. Okay, so the book of Revelation. Um, in this particular story, the city, Laodicea, is wealthy. So they're known for a couple of different things, but if this was um, in present times, this would be like the Austin. They would have two Tesla factories. You know, everyone's uh, the highest fashion. They were known for um, producing black wool for their clothing, which did not occur anywhere else. They were a banking center, Mecca, um, and this was a place that everyone wanted to be because they had the best of the best, right? And so um, this particular city, though, they had one problem, their water supply. So their water supply, what they would do, there were two neighboring cities. One was Heropolis and one was Colossae. And Heropolis was known for having these hot, healing waters. And Colossae was known for having these cool waters that would quench your thirst. And so in this story, the thing that happened was in 60 AD, they had an earthquake, and it wiped the place. And typically, surrounding cities would always go to Rome for financial assistance, but Laodicea was like, we don't need FEMA. We got this. We'll take care of it ourselves. We don't need your help. So they rebuild the city, and that's what the city was known for, self-sufficiency. They didn't need help from anyone. And in this particular scripture that I'm going to read to you, I want to share with you that if you were to look up the context, if you were to read some commentary or dig into it for yourself, at face value, it may look like Jesus is just talking about hot and cold, but there's more to it, and we'll get there. So these are the words that um, God speaks to Laodicea. He says, I know all that you do. And I know that you are neither frozen in apathy nor fervent with passion. How I wish you were either one or the other. But because you are neither cold nor hot, but lukewarm, I am about to spit you out. That sounds intense. So um, when you look at this scripture, Jesus is at that very last part when he says, I am about to spit you out. Um, the analogy is because whenever the water would pipe in from Heropolis, and by the time it got to Laodicea, it was mixed with a lot of minerals, uh, sulfur. So when you, if you drank it, so the travelers that didn't know not to drink it, if you drank it immediately, you would spit it out. It would make them very, very sick. So this is the analogy that Jesus is just using for that concept of lukewarm. He's saying hot and cold is useful, but where you are right now, this is a problem. And I always, when I would read things like this, I would always feel like it would take me back to when I was young. I used to go to this church, and, uh, you know, the description of God was this very, like, angry, punishing God. And so whenever I read this verse, I was like, all right, here we are. But the more that you dig into the story, the more that you read, you find out this is a kind God. He's using imagery that would make sense to these people. God will speak to you in a way that makes sense to you. Not to me, not to Dom, not to Robert, but to you if you listen. 
So in this particular story, God gives this message, right? You're lukewarm. This is not what I meant for you. I meant for you a courageous, a full, a bold life. Something's got to give. It's almost like a physician. Think about this. So if you were a doctor or if you go to the doctor, if a doctor was only paid on giving his patients good news, is he helpful? No. He's not helpful. He needs to help them understand the symptoms of where they are, how they got there, and what is the plan of care. So when you go see a physician, you're not just getting good news. They're saying, look, this is where you are, and we've got a pivot, buddy. Whatever it may be, is it medication? Is it mental health? Is it change in your lifestyle? There's a plan, and there's a challenge with where you are. This is what I see when I read this verse. So I'm going to read a, a part of this story for you. It's not going to be just up there yet, but the, the scripture continues. For you claim, I'm rich and getting rich, richer. I don't need a thing. Yet you are clueless that you're miserable, poor, blind, barren, and naked. So I counsel you to purchase gold, perfected by fire, so that you can be truly rich. Purchase a white garment to cover and clothe your shameful nakedness. Purchase eye slab to be placed over your eyes so that you can truly see. He's using these concepts. If you remember, we talked about in this particular city, they had the best medical school. They had the wool. They had all of the material wealth, the banking. So he's saying, look, you're relying on all of these things, and it's not even fulfilling you. You're lukewarm. You're focused on this self-sufficiency, but you are Try inside. It's another point of him just using something that made sense to them. And it goes on to say this. All those I dearly love, I unmask and train. So repent and be eager to pursue what is right. Behold, I am standing at the door knocking. If your heart is open to hear my voice and you open the door within, I will come into you and feast with you and you will feast with me. There's another part of the scripture where it continues, and it says, And to the one who conquers, I will give the privilege of sitting with me on my throne, just as I conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. The one whose heart is open, let him listen carefully to what the Spirit is saying now. This idea of conquerors is also something that when you dig into the translation, he talks about these seven churches, no matter the challenge that was given to them, no matter how much he shared with them, what you're doing is not the path that I have for you. He is calling them conquerors, not because of their efforts, but because he's already won. So these people, these lukewarm people, these people who he's writing a letter saying, you guys really have this messed up. And there were other churches that had other things that they were doing that he was saying, nope, that's not right. But he says this church is the worst of them all. This church that is lukewarm is the worst of them all. I believe it to be true that it's because that's not the life that was meant for them. The life of living in the Holy Spirit, that is not what was meant for them. He left us a, a, a partner, this voice that can be alongside us. And we're going to talk about that when we get into the series 
the fruit of the spirit that was that Dom was talking about earlier. But here's what I think. After all that, and still he reaches for us, and still he loves us, and still he wants the life for you, and still, and still, and still, right there, knocking at your door, no matter what. And if you're in a space where you're feeling like I have in the past, and to be honest, waves right now, where you can't feel anything, you don't even know what step to take, it's just an overwhelm that has led to a nothingness. Your father says, I'm right here. If you would open the door, I'm right here. So I want to encourage you. I want you to look at your life. Is there any area where you feel numb? Is there any area where you want to call his presence in. Maybe it's a marriage or a friendship, or maybe you don't even know why you feel the way you feel, but you're there. I encourage you to reach out. You know, we have connect groups that are going to be starting this week, and I think sometimes, at least for me, whenever I shared um, that I had storm availability to suppress my feelings because I didn't want them to ruin everyone else's day, such a great place to be able to talk through the things in your life or to just be close to people when you need it most. So that's what I want to challenge you with today. I want to challenge you to think about what could your life look like if you chose action in the face of apathy? Where could God come alongside you and where could you invest some time in that spiritual detox that we've been talking about for weeks? I pray that you, uh, you would experience an unconditional love. That God would give you eyes to see clearly what he sees when he looks at you. I pray that you would find people in your life that you trust. Or that at least you would lean into a father who's always been who he is. He was, he is, and he will be. I want to pray for us. Will you join me? God, for the hearts that are hurting, for the spaces that we are scared to light up. Father, for the trust that is missing, and for the people that feel lonely. God, I pray that you would supernaturally give them clarity. God, fill them back up. If it's nothing, lean in close. Make your presence powerful. God, I pray that you would show up in a way never imagined. Because in this book, you say that I'm not doing the old things. I'm here to do something new. God, I pray newness for the people in this room. I pray newness for this city. I pray newness for this community. God, I pray that we would stop looking back. I pray that we would stop trying to do everything on our own and know that you are there. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to The Heart Podcast. At The Heart, we like to say you don't have to go to church here to go to church here. That means you are already part of the community just by listening to the message today. If today's message connected with you, we want to invite you to share it with someone who may benefit from it. We would love to be a part of your journey of faith. Please visit us online at www.theheart.church forward slash next to see what your next step may be. And if you live near San Marcos, Texas, we would like to invite you to visit us in person this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at Evo Springtown. Remember to be bold this week and connect with those around you. It's how your relationships grow and how your faith grows. Mm -hmm.